live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, where we do all we can to help people walk toward his love, God's love, Jesus, love, the fruit of the Spirit. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. They've been telling me I need to spice up the show. They're telling me I'm boring, that I need to do things better now for ratings. Who's telling me this? Well, let's take a peek at who's telling me this. Dave? These people. <laughs> In the cage. So I'm Seth. I'm Wendy. So we're the guys behind the scene that kind of do all this stuff here. Um, so I just thought we'd give you a little, quick little tour. This is our little tiny studio here. Uh, this is where we're using vMix here, and we got Wendy over here in the chat. And we thought we'd just give you a quick lesson. A quick little lesson <laughs> that I, of course, I can't get this to work right now. Um, mm, but okay. Dave's going to zoom in on this, <laughs> and we're going to talk about the description. So we have all kinds of things in the description, um, if I can get to the right video. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't work that easily, does it? Yeah. So we talk about the description below, and there's all kinds of resources here. We've got um, Christianity's Greatest Dilemma, we've got the HOTM website, ex-Mormon files, so you can click on any of these descriptions and go to any of the resources that we have. So How did you get there? So it's this little drop down right here. It's <laughs> a drop down. Yes, there's a drop down. What does it look like? It's a little tiny triangle. Oh, okay. It's a triangle. Yes, <laughs> and this is for mobile devices, uh, iPads or phones. All right, man, I am enthralled. Right. And don't forget to subscribe. Oh, don't forget to subscribe. Click We've... the bell icon. Yeah, and all that. <laughs> all right, back to you, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> they, they look like a married couple. <laughs> He's telling, she's telling them everything to say. Uh, they do so much uh, to keep things going. Next week, we're going to venture into our back room where the operators sit. <laughs> then you're really going to get some uh, excitement. Listen, I just have to address this thing about being boring. I, I get that I've changed. You know, the first seven years on the air, we were going at it. I was being who I was. But that's a very, that guy was very much still in the flesh. And, and so that guy has died. I, I'm sorry. That guy has died. I've gotten older. And, and uh, as you get older and more mature in the faith, you, you kind of start to be less about yourself and how funny you can be and what's, what's really something you can jump on and attack. I can do that if I really allow myself to go back there, but you just, you just kind of want to sit. I'm only interested in Jesus, scripture, art, and love, loving other people the way Jesus wants me to. So it's hard to put on a program that is going to be engaging. I know the YouTube people, millions of hits, and you know, it's all this and keep it going. I can't do it. I, it's not authentic to me. And so I have to be who I am and present who I am the way I do it. Uh, life's too short for me. I've already sold, I've already gone down that road when I was LDS. I played the role that you're supposed to play, both in the job and in the church and in the marriage and in the community. And it was all, you know, smile and dial and get things happening. But uh, so I have to just approach the stuff, the information, and go from there. That being said, I do have some earthly recommendations for you, which you probably won't be able to relate to whatsoever. But our family's very big into the arts. We're very big into music. 
of every kind, every type, um, all three daughters, and we're into uh, uh, visual arts, we're into film, and I have some movies I recommend. Now, people who I recommend movies to usually walk away saying, I will never take a recommendation from you again. But I have some art films for you, for your suggestion, and one that's in theaters now. Actual, regular theaters, not even just art houses. Are you ready? Ordet. Ordet. O-R-D-E-T. It is a Danish film. It is unbelievable. You should watch Ordet. 400 Blows. You should see 400 Blows. It's French. Uh, the White Ribbon is a must-see. Must-see. The most One of the most beautiful films you'll ever see. Diving Bell and the Butterfly is also really good, too, as far as visual. Tree of Life is excellent. And then Phantom Thread is another one. So those are five, I think. That was five, six art films that everyone should run and see because they are phenomenal. And what they present to you, it's a spiritual experience. I really mean that. In theaters right now, it's probably just going to get ready to leave, but it's a film that must be seen. It borderlines on being, you know, kind of a regular film and an art film. And it's Jojo Rabbit. Run, don't walk to see Jojo Rabbit. It is hilarious. It is so well made. It's meaningful. And since I'm so boring in talking about the things of the Lord, I'll just push you off onto things that might excite you more. And, and I'm kind of kidding about that. Hey, uh, more and more and more, we are discovering in the Christian body of believers gathered in what we call churches uh, with self-appointed pastors and uh, reverends leading their respective flocks that there's a kickback and there's this there's this misunderstanding of how to respond to the scenario that we see in our society. I want to talk about this issue for a minute. These things that are, we see around us that are abundant include, and are not limited to, and I just wrote a list that I could think of, abortion, divorce, transgenderism, child abuse, homosexuality, fornication, adultery, Open marriages, gay marriages, cross-dressing, drunkenness, alcoholism, drug addiction, drug abuse, masturbation, self-harm, homelessness, pedophilia, white-collar crime, pornography, spouse abuse, animal rights, public shootings, border wars, polygamy, polyandry, depression, anxiety, mania, uh, sociopathy, narcissistic personalities, psychopathy, neurosis, addictive personality disorder, ADHD, civil rights problems, bestiality, animal rights, gun control, gang violence. And that's just the stuff I could whip out and just think about at the top of my head all around us. Host of other issues I can't name, uh, including horrible abuses and human trafficking, executions, tortures, and aberrant behaviors. The list goes on and on. Now I want to read a passage to you. And it's from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it says in part, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. That was written almost 2,000 years ago. There is no temptation that can take you, Paul wrote to believers then, that is not common to human man. And all of those crimes and proclivities I just listed and difficulties, I believe in some way or another have been around 
They've all been around since time immemorial. I mean, the first, the first sons, we had a murder. I mean, we had a murder right off the bat. You read the Old Testament, you got all kinds of stuff going on. Dad's sleeping with daughter-in-laws and daughters tempting their father and sodomy and homosexual. You've got it all. You got bestiology. I mean, one of the commandments uh, in the law was don't sleep with your pet. <laughs> Men and women were depraved as human beings. We aren't discovering new things here. You know, pharmacae has always been around, drug addiction, all of it. What's different for us is our modern state of corruption lies in the acceptance. And there's been other times where things have been accepted in the Greek and Roman cultures and, and other places. But, and the public proliferation of these things as being normative due to the internet. Um, but they've always been around, all right? So I would also suggest that the solution to these things, at least for the past 2,000 years, is Jesus. It really is Jesus. It's faith in him and the reception of what he brings to someone's life and to the love that leads you to embracing God and embracing others in a, in a selfless way. So where religious people and the institutions that they uh, represent have sought and continue to seek to stop these sins that are common to man, um, fight against them, renounce them with all they've got. We must stand against this. I, I talked this way. This is how the LDS leaders do. We must stand against everything that's going on in this world today. This corruption, it's been going on forever. It just wasn't known. And so they resist it in the streets and they parade against it and they excommunicate people who participate in them to suggest that their presence now is an indication of this world is getting ready to be destroyed. Um, the Lord Jesus Christ is here to, to help individuals get through these things and uh, emancipate them from the burden and so to that entire list, if someone says to me as a pastor teacher, what about this? What about that? Well, what about this? I say, Jesus paid for it all already. Give it all to Jesus and walk free. Don't stress. Don't worry. Your teenage kid who's dabbling in pot, he'll grow up. She'll grow up. They'll learn. You know, love them. Help them come to see that there's a better way. We go through these rebellious times. In the meanwhile, whoever you are, whoever you are, whatever you're dealing with, let's have the attitude of come sit next to me. Come be and, and see what I'm doing. And if you need help, let me help you with Christ Jesus, with unconditional acceptance and being loved by him. This is not new Christianity. I'm not creating anything that's new. This is the Christianity Jesus brought to earth. Uh, men have just forgotten that while they were yet sinners, uh, he came and saved them. And so Christians, my brothers and sisters in the, in the world, love those around you. I'm harping on that this past four weeks. This will be the final night of harping on, on the agape love. But, I mean, that's what it's all about. And we've talked about that endlessly. Whether they're believers or not, whether they are righteous or not, whether they conform to your political or social or economic or sexual opinions or not, just as God so loved the world 
that he too gave his only begotten son. With all you've got, in Jesus' name, put your prejudices to death. Love your neighbor, love your enemies, your different races, your different religions, the lifestyles. And uh, we have all got them. I'll talk about that later next week, these prejudices that we carry around. Christians love. Christians love. If you're watching the show, you're still hanging in there with us, Christians love. And that's the bottom line difference between us and everybody else. Plenty of, plenty of religions have faith. Plenty of religions talk about, you know, trusting in this, trusting in that, doing, doing this and doing that and doing this. But Christianity is love. And it's that kind of love that we're going to talk about next week. So just a few reminders to all of you. This ministry has produced tons, literally probably, of videos, books, hard copy, uh, audio for your benefit. Seth uh, has just released, and Wendy, if then, the final chapter. If you click on the triangle below on your device, that will give you a menu of how to access all those things. So, but we just released the last chapter of If Then. You can go and you can start at chapter one and listen to it, and only one, and then you can go to two if you want. So they provided them to you in, in separate nine chapters, or they provided you to listen to the whole thing at one sitting. It's not that long. Probably take you an hour and a half or two hours. So that is available to you, and we promote our books to you because we think they'll help. Give them a chance. They're free to you if you want to listen to them. So uh, if you're bored and don't have anything to do, check that out. HOTM.Faith, of course, on YouTube. Heart of the Matter with Sean McCraney. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hour-long shows about Mormonism, many of them about Mormonism, many of them about other things. And then campuschurch.tv. You can go there. We've gone through at least half. We're probably more than half now. I think we're more possibly three quarters of the way through the New Testament with the books of the New Testament because we knocked out the longer ones first. And you can go. I just got a, 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 an email from a, 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 a supporter named Ramon. He's a great supporter. And he just wrote and said, I just finished your archives in Revelation. If one person on earth goes through and, and, and takes those archives from Revelations and, and listens to them, I am astounded and blessed. That was an enormous amount of information that we went through. Uh, we have some people who showed up here at campus physically and went through the whole thing with us. But for someone else who lives somewhere else like Ramon to listen to it, uh, phenomenal. That makes my life have meaning, truly, to know that somebody has gone through and at least considered the content of that. So, Ramon, thank you for sending that email. I guess we're missing six shows from that uh, Revelation series. So, Seth, I'm going to let you know what those are, and we'll go from there. So you have Campus Church. What? Subscribe to the Champ Campus Church channel and say it five times fast and we'll send you a t-shirt. <laughs> so subscribe to the channel and we'll let you know when new sermons are coming up. How we do Sundays is uh, at 10 a.m. We have milk. We go through verse by verse through a New Testament book. We're just finishing up Ephesians. And then in the afternoon we do meat. And we're just in the, we're in the book of Luke, actually, covering a gospel in the book of Luke uh, in meat, verse by verse. And we've done Romans. We've done Acts. We've done John. We've done Revelation, First and Second Peter, all of it. So check those out because you can make it your church. doesn't cost you anything. We have a little bumper sticker that says, never leave your couch. 
You can turn it on, don't have to attend a church, and you can listen to the sermons. Although people tell me it's not the same as showing up here or showing up to a regular church where you have fellowship, you get to meet people face to face. So I have to admit, it's not going to be the same. But for information alone, give that a chance. We've been promoting, this is a book that's on uh, audio now. We've been promoting uh, Paul Douglas's book, Critical Thinking for Mormons. You can look up Paul Douglas and you can get that book. Very good book on critical thinking for uh, that is used with Latter-day Saints and the logical fallacies that they employ to keep their religion going. And then Christianity's Greatest Dilemma. It's a book by Glenn Hill. We strongly recommend this book because we just got an email. In fact, I'm going to read it to you in a minute from someone who says, what proof do you have that Jesus returned in 70 AD? I mean, how do we know this? Well, that's what that book talks about. And so it's really uh, interesting and you ought to give that a read. Finally, we also promote the following online ministries. They're also uh, physical ministries. We promote TalkingToMormons.com. Love that. They are getting better and better, and they've always been good, at providing really good content-laden information for Latter-day Saints who are trying to uh, understand their religion uh, relative to Christianity. ExMormonFiles.com, that's with Bishop Earl Erskine. He interviews people who have come out of Mormonism and are in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the premise of his show. People who have come out of Mormonism and enter a relationship with Jesus Christ. Checkmychurch.org is a fantastic new uh, site. Sarah Young and her husband are putting it, have put it together. They've actually now have a map of Utah and I think Idaho, and they show dots of churches that they have checked and they approve. I think they've got like five or six of them on there. And they range from campus to a, a, a charismatic church, to a, a Calvary Chapel, not Salt Lake, but another one, Severe Valley. And they do that and they just, you can go and you can see why they recommend them, that they don't impose a bunch of BS on their congregants. So if you're looking for a church that is going to help you in your Christian walk and get out of the clubs and the places that are oppressively putting things on your back to do, uh, check out checkmychurch.com. Com. We promote all these. Oh, also Adams Road Ministries. Is it ministries or ministry? Adams Road Ministry. They're out of back east in Florida. It's those guys and girl who sing uh, and they also go around the U.S. and they play concerts and they share their witness testimony with people. AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We support them, always have supported them. Uh, every time we can get them on the air, we get them on the air. And they've even played at our church when we met up at the U of U. Uh, great guys, love the Lord. It's all about Jesus with them. Now, we promote these ministries not only because they're great content, we've mentioned this before, but because they focus on Jesus as a solution to religion. Now, I love Sandra Tanner. I love John DeLynn as individuals. I love Bill McKeever. You know, they come up with great content for stuff, but I don't believe that they bring Jesus as the solution to it. They bring other things as a solution to uh, what religion has done to people. These ministries I just mentioned bring Jesus to the forefront and say he's the solution. Not religion or churches that teach him, just a relationship with him. And I cannot uh, state that more. So uh, to me, if Jesus isn't promoted in lieu of uh, the religion people have been in, it's just not, they're just not worth it. So last night we aired what was a shameless sports analogy on Heart of the Matter, and I presented an analogy to illustrate one thing, that everything else 
in the walk of Christianity, from leaving the world to going to church, to putting on the church clothes, to saying all the right things, to getting out on the field and being born again, to resisting opposition and walking by faith and trusting Jesus. All of it is ancillary to the end goal that God has for Christians, and that is for us to love. That's why I gave the illustration, to show there is one purpose in everything happening. The purpose for Christ's coming. Yes, he did pay for our sins, showing us how to love. But it's so that we would then love in return. And we would learn and walk in this love. So are the other things necessary? Of course. Faith in Jesus Christ? Of course it's necessary. The things he teaches, following him? Of course, necessary. But the end goal is always in Christianity, agape love. And that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, you can have all the faith in the world that you can move mountains. If you don't have love, agape love, you have nothing. You could give everything you have to feeding the poor and all this stuff. You could allow your body to be burned. If you don't have agape love, you have nothing. He makes it really clear because God is love. And so we want to be with God and live by God as his children, as his sons and daughters. Therefore, we learn and we submit to the uh, grooming of God to help us learn to love. And we talk all about what the formula to that is next Monday night here on Heart of the Matter. Um, it's the only expectation. So in the analogy really quickly, I'm just going to quick cover it in 15 seconds. You leave the world. You join the team. That's not the goal. Leaving the world's not the goal. You get called out on the football field to play the game. That's being born again, but that's not the goal. You play by the rules against an opponent, again, by faith and trusting Christ, but that's not the goal. All of those things are in place so that you can learn to get into the end zone of love. And so all of that being said, I say it to you who might be viewing, look in the mirror, look in your heart, ask the Lord to examine you. What's your love life like? And I don't mean between the sheets. What is your love life like as a Christian? Who are you holding animus against? Who haven't you forgiven? Could be your parents. It could be a brother, a sibling, could be a neighbor, could be someone who hurt you badly, really badly. If you're holding it against them, it's harming your ability to love. Who do you not like? Who are you prejudiced against? Is it a non-believer? That's going to harm your ability to love. Is it a homosexual? Is it someone who lives a, a lifestyle you disapprove of? That will harm your ability to love. You have to give it all up to Jesus. Let him handle all those things. Our job as his sons and daughters is to love everyone on earth unconditionally, irrespectively of who they are. I gave that football analogy and we had some comments from it. Me Too wrote, I'm like Rudy then. Rudy is a, uh, a movie from a, a guy who he had really no talent. He was too small to play for Notre Dame. And uh, he finally got into the last game of the year. And he was the last 
player to get on the field and do something. And it was a great film, very motivational for people who are. And you know what? I love that comment by me, too, because we all are Rudy's when it comes to the Christian faith. I mean, that's really how to see yourself. It's not as seeing yourself as a John Elway. It's seeing yourself as a Rudy. And so I love that. Uh, P. Wentworth gave us a clapping hands. Ex-Mormon for Christ alone says this is a beautiful analogy. I would add that he has given the playbook in the Bible and that we need to study it. He has given us the Holy Spirit. This is like the microphone that gives the quarterbacks the ability to communicate with the coach from the field. He lets us look to the fourth down and third to go. Use this player that and gives us encouragement and strength in the red zone. Boy, we're getting very advanced in our analogy. That's great. That's where the action is. The players on this field don't do it for the crowd. The cheerleaders, sidelines are fans, but for the win and the Super Bowl ring only. Um, and amen. Well, however you want to add to it or see it, it, whatever it is, it's the game and it's the goal. Love. Uh, Byron of Calgary, talking about Calgary, Canada, said, I would compare the relationship to other relationships or union of marriage as an easy parallel, probably because the thing I delivered was pretty ridiculously complex. This is all about love. And he's right. The marriage contract is truly about that learning that love. Everything is easy when you're in love. There are no chores or burdens. Some of us are mail order brides and need to fall in love with our Lord. What's not to like? If a man is in love, how hard is it for him to be faithful? Hardly a struggle, is it? Now look at everything else you struggle with and do the math. Great comment from Byron of Calgary. And then in response to last week's show, and let's open up the phone lines, 801-590-8413, 801-590-8413. Make sure if you want to make a comment, you call quickly, because once I'm done with these, we're wrapping this up. We don't want to bore you more than we have to. Maybe we can go back to the cage and see what they're doing in there. <laughs> Okay, from last week. So John O'Reardon wrote, and I just wanted to take one minute to address this. I know some of you are getting tired of it. Thank you so much for putting this on YouTube. What makes you think that Jesus Christ came back? Yeah, what about the two witnesses? I'll try and call on Tuesday, but it's 3 a.m. in Dublin where I'm at, poor guy. So I'm going to answer for you, John. What makes me think that Jesus came back? Let me just say this. All the questions you have, the two witnesses, the angels running through the heavens, fire, the millennium, devil being chained, uh, a thousand years of peace and then being loosed, the two witnesses dying in the street, all of that stuff is answerable by and through comparing what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 about what the end of the age would look like before he came back and comparing it with what secular historians wrote about the destruction of Jerusalem. Jesus says something, the secular historians almost always touched on that thing, not knowing that Jesus said it in my estimation. Now, there's theories that they did know and there was a collusion. But in my estimation, uh, the, the secular historians, not just Josephus, but, but Tacitus and Suetonius and, and Cassius Dio and others, they wrote of things that reflect directly the signs Jesus said 
uh, would come before he returned. And so when you do that study, that's what that Revelation study that we provided two and a half years of going through the book of Revelation that Ramon wrote in and thanked us for. If you want to really know what it's all about, you got to do the work. If you don't want to do the work, you're going to sit back and you're going to say, I don't believe this. This doesn't suit me. I believe this. This suits me. Most people want to say as Christians, I believe he's coming back no matter what happened because that suits me. Why does it suit them? It gives them something to hope for. It gives them something to look to. It gives them a way to see the world around us today as getting worse and worse and worse and to fret and worry. And it keeps them on track and keeps them going to church and paying their tithes and and just getting ready like we've been doing for 2000 years. But if you're a seeker of truth, John, and you really want to know it, the information's there. Now, uh, if you write us, I'll figure out a way and see how we can get you this book, uh, Christianity's Greatest Dilemma, because it will help you. But we do have a short book that I can email you called It's Not the End of the World. That's stuff put together, and I can send that to you in Ireland, and that will give you a good head start. And it will show you how even the early church fathers said that the destruction of, of Jerusalem is evidence that he has come back. They even say it, some of them. So there's a lot of information, but it's just not known because people don't generally like it. Elvira says, when it comes to love, any advice on dealing with and how to handle the despitefully use you people part? I don't know if you are male or female, Elvira Fins, but, uh, you know, the only thing I have to help me overcome that is uh, the scripture that teaches me about the Lord and what he did. He had no sin. I have riddled with sin. So I deserve mistreatment. But he had no sin and received mistreatment and didn't revile back is what scripture says. So if he is able to do that as my Lord and King, I have to try to follow that thing. So what I do is anytime I am unjustly treated, I think of all the times I've gotten away with things where I was not called out and I try to take it because I, I, I know that in some way I would deserve it one way or another. I also then look to Christ as the one who did that himself. And I try to think if he did it, I'm supposed to do it too. Not perfect. And it's easy to, to, to lip, lose on that. Hence, the grace that God gives that brings us back to contrition and humility and then growing again and trying again. And that's what it's all about. CS says, does anyone know or maybe HOTM can ask him, but what is Sean's take on what the mark of the beast was is? It's a great question. Um, the Jews had, a, an, a, had this system of language called the Gematra. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And the Gematra was numerical figures assigned to letters. Okay? And so just for instance, in our alphabet, A would be one, B would be two, C would be three, all right. And so John was writing at a time when the persecution from Nero was big from the Romans. And so he says in Revelation, listen, I can't really tell you what the name of the beast is. But those of you, and I'm paraphrasing, those of you who know what I'm talking about, you do the math. And he says, and the number is 666, 666. So if you take 666 
and you write out the whole name of, I think it's Claudius Nero something else, and you do the Gematra figuring, it comes up to 666. That's the mark of the beast Nero. So it was speaking of him, and John was using language that he wouldn't be caught for, for writing and sending out to other people. And that's my understanding of the mark of the beast. While I fully love Damien and the looking through the hair and discovering it on that little kid's scalp, which enthralled me with excitement, I think that was pure fiction. And so uh, that's how I see it, my friend. Um, finally, we have Design Corps uh, says, he never left, question mark, talking about Jesus. Where is heaven according to the Bible and the Mormons? Why would he come again when he never left? What victory leaves behind a victory? And and I don't really understand. I'm sorry, Design Corps, what you mean. But I want to read your emails, and that was it. Finally, before we wrap it up, if we don't have any more callers or off-air questions, I had this email uh, sent to me by Mike in England that I was just reading and working on in my car. And Mike is really concerned about um, the number of LDS people who are turning to atheism. And it's troubling him greatly. And he's had a back and forth with an LDS member and saying, what can we do, you know, as a, as a group, those who have left the church, those who are still in the church, to help these people, these young people who are turning to atheism when they leave the Mormon church, which is a fruit of the church in my estimation. And uh, interestingly, the friend of Michael's said, you know, I really can't understand your, what you're talking about. I have a, such a testimony of the gospel you know, I really don't think there's anything I can contribute to this. In other words, he's saying, if you leave the church and you become an atheist, that's your fault. I don't really have anything to add to that, that conversation because you've made the mistake of walking away from it. That really breaks my heart because it is the fruit of the church. Uh, people are leaving for atheism, which is why the ministries and the books that we shared are so important for people who are coming out of Mormonism not to leave just because they discover that the golden plates were a fake or the first vision was a con. They need to leave with some undergirding support for the true and living God. And, and, and I believe that will help with the uh, flow into this idea of there being no God, which to me is, uh, is, is uh, hard to fathom. I don't have anything else. This coming Monday, remember, uh, I'm going to give you a formula based off one passage of Scripture you're familiar with on how it teaches us in that one verse what agape love is. And after that, we'll talk about it Tuesday night, and we're going to launch out into the rest of the year, which is the rest of December. We're looking at getting guests again, more guests for the coming up January. And if you are someone who wants to be a guest or you know someone who should be a guest, please let me know. I love to sit with people of different faiths, different opinions and walks, and talk to them about the Lord. Of course, we have Sunday's best thing coming up in the uh, first, uh, in the early spring of 2020. And uh, we're also going to be embarking on more systematic analysis of things relative to Mormonism, like uh, Atonement, the Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price, Garden of Gethsemane, uh, all that kind of stuff right here on Heart of the Matter. See you next week. Good job, Aude Ants. Aude-